spent too much time in California. Now I got that Rona. Gotta be a loner. Staring at my phone. Gotta be a loner. Gotta be a loner. Hello. And here we are. The Alonavirus Podcast. I don't know. I'm gonna look at the audio recorder. Why am I doing that? I'll look at the camera. I'm looking at you. What a day. Uh, we just did our... Uh, just got our, our load of uh, groceries and my hands are bleached up and they kind of feel funny. Go through and uh, I wanted to amend the, the episode with Phil, not amend it, but add add to it. The uh, Bill of Rights it, sort of. What do they call that? The uh, articles of whatever. You add some, article one. What? What do you call that? The Bill of Rights with the freedom of speech stuff. I don't know. But anyway, I wanted to add the, uh, when, when you get the groceries to your house, since nobody has anything else to do, we just take a spray bottle filled with water and a little bit of bleach and a little bit of soap, spray down. Well, first I spray down a couple of uh, like little cloths, put them out on a surface outside, spray those down with a little bit of bleach. Then I have a third cloth that I get a little wet then I spray everything, all the surfaces, and then I wipe down them all. Then I add those to uh, clean paper bags. I took them out of the bags that they came in, put them in the old bags that have been sitting outside, and there's a whole process. It's all great, except I have to wear a mask because, not because of the virus, but because breathing in the bleach, the first couple of times I did it, I had a sore throat the next day, and I was like, great, now I got the virus. But no, I just had bleach in my throat. Which uh, actually is recommended, I hear, oddly enough. But my hands are feeling a little uh, a little bleachy at the moment, but that's okay, because we got clean food, eat clean, right? Right? Yeah. What's new? Uh, what is it, April 27th, 28th, something like that. Month two, coming to a close. And speaking of close, I'm still in my sweats. And you should be too, because stay home. Uh, that's a dog barking. Great for a video podcast uh, or audio. Just It's just a great thing to have when you're trying to make stuff. Just add a little dog bark. That's cool. Yep. Every once in a while, just it's a sound effect. It's not real. Uh, one thing I you know learned this week, and I think news is constantly coming out, and we're going to look back on this time. I feel like it's gonna be obvious eventually when we learn about this virus, like most things are. It's like, oh, I can't believe we didn't know that. I can't believe we didn't see that. But as the information is sort of uh, coming out now, it's just so fascinating and interesting and crazy how how little we know about this virus. But um, one thing that caught my attention this week is how how the virus is behaving and how we're learning about it and how it started as a flew. I mean, it didn't, but it did in our eyes. And then it became a pneumonia. And now it's acting, well, not acting, but it, it appears less like a pneumonia and more like a, like a blood disease or something. It's, uh, it's causing blood clots. And even the people that are, you know, um, getting respiratory symptoms, their symptoms are not caused by classic pneumonia stuff like fluid, fluid in the lungs. It's like basically dead areas that are maybe caused by blood clots as well. The younger patients that are going in uh, are often getting strokes in the larger blood vessels in the brain, which is 
almost unheard of. It's just a very unusual thing. Now there's toe symptoms. I don't know if anybody's seen stuff about COVID toes or Corona toes or whatever they call them. It just like, seems like it's causing a lot of blood clotting all around the body and, you know, heart attacks and things like that. And we're finding out that the first, first, first deaths were earlier than we thought. And because they were heart, they looked like heart attacks. And, but these people are, had tested positive for uh, the virus. So it's just, it's not what we thought. And uh, we'll look back on this and be like, oh yeah, obviously. But you know, the ventilators aren't working like we thought. The treatments that we normally use for stuff that is kind of like this isn't working as well. Um, there are some, obviously some uh, treatments look promising. The remdesivir is the one that I've seen the most. Um, antibody treatments are obviously working, but the antibody conversation is a whole different thing. The, this week, the World Health Organization put out that tweet about how there's no evidence to show that there's any immunity, which is, or at, you know, after having and recovered from the disease, they said there's no immunity, no evidence of immunity, which is kind of crazy because it's crazy because it's not true. I mean, there there's no conclusive evidence, but there's there's evidence. I mean, there aren't that many re reinfections at the moment, uh, so to say that there's no evidence is crazy, but also the implications of that are, are also crazy because most viruses you have immunity for at least some amount of time and we don't know what amount of time this will be, but if it's a short amount of time, that's not good. Cue the dog barking. Can't predict it, you can't predict it. Nope. I got a job today writing uh ghostwriting science ebooks on amazon so uh don't look for my name but uh i did it i it's it's 320 dollars for twenty thousand words and i think that's a terrible rate but you do the math on it and you have 45 days to do it but i think i could do it in probably two weeks but still, I uh, haven't made any money since this whole thing started, so uh, it's better than zero. But um, yeah, I think that's a terrible rate. You tell me though. Anyway, speaking of working from home, this is this is how I'm gonna try to transition. This is all written out. I have it written out word for word. Uh, and then I memorized it, obviously. But uh, today, excellent guest, excellent conversation, my friend Tyler. Uh, he uh, is in Los Angeles still and he, we tried to spin this episode a little bit because it's easy to get negative talking about this stuff. It's easy to feel down. It's easy to have a depressing podcast. So we kind of went into it thinking that we'll try, even though it's not, it's not easy to put a positive spin on, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people around the world dying. But uh, there are definitely positives that we can focus on in this time and we tried to do that obviously it's it's certainly not 100 percent, but maybe it's 50 and uh we talk about um you know tyler's somebody who, who's a hustler he works from home he, he uh well he doesn't work from home but he, he works uh he works for himself and often at home but not always he's not a work from home person but um he usually works with other people so uh and most of them 
like strangers. He works with actors and he's casting people. So he's unable to do that. And so he's had to transition. And I'm hoping that people can hear what he says and maybe take something from, from his playbook and use this time to, to transition in a positive way and not just, uh, you know, kind of real if you lost your work or your income or whatever. I mean, this is a great time to start something new to transition. So um, Tyler's doing just that. And so, um, yeah, let's get into the conversation with my friend in LA, Tyler. Zigazow. I'm just sitting around. I'm waiting for Tyler to show up. What's up, everybody? Drinking some coffee. Yeah. This is the Alonavirus podcast. Here with my friend Tyler. Um, Thank you so much for for joining me. This is awesome. No, thank Um, you. Anytime. (laughs) We're here catching dreams. We're here catching dreams. Look at that. I'm here catching (laughs) one strip of temporary wallpaper. I like it. Normally when I'm filming, that's all that this isn't right. So is this your is this your spot that's already set up or did you yeah so this is a spot that but normally it's it's tighter on me and and you don't see as much so you're oh. seeing like the extended set that doesn't exist i'm happy to get the widescreen version here this yeah i want nice. to make sure that you got you got it for really what it was you know i actually just set up i'm uh the computer's on a bed right now because i expect the uh the dogs to be coming in the house at any moment so this is the only like makes sense doored room in the house so we're here in private on the bed. <laughs> okay, so the coronavirus. What's that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what? The virus, specifically the virus itself, what's your like anxiety level currently? We're, at, we're in the middle of April. Not, not all the other stuff that's going on, but just like the virus. Like, like what is my anxiety level? regarding getting it or having a loved one get it sure um not super high um i mean in terms of just that uh my anxiety level is higher for you know the world itself but in terms of how it's going to personally affect me my friends my loved ones not really i mean like everyone in my life is taking it seriously and and they're not they're not venturing out they're not going anywhere um we don't have any history of respiratory problems or any underlying things that might, you know, make you extra compromised. I obviously have grandparents um, who just due to their age are going to be a little bit more uh, susceptible, but they're again, taking it super seriously. So, um, you know, I had one close scare. My sister was in quarantine or social distancing with the three other people and one of them tested positive. Um, but then she, you know, that kind of, you know, so he tested positive. So then they all had to self-isolate for 14 days. They did. They're on day like 19. She hasn't, I mean, she has asthma too. And I mean, she was, there was nothing. So, I mean, in terms of myself, I've always been, I mean, I've never even had the flu. I'm pretty, you know, so like, I, I mean, I, I sometimes get sick, but I'm not really, I'm not personally concerned. And everyone that I know, like I said, is taking it seriously. So not really yeah. like that that stressed about it that's good to hear and i'm i'm happy to hear that your your sister's doing well um and then as far as like a bigger picture what's your anxiety level like i know you, you kind of 
touched on it a bit, but like things are starting to get a little bit weird right now. People are mm-hmm. starting to politicize stuff and um, I'm starting, like I kind of feel similarly to you as far as the virus. I, I feel like I personally will be okay. Most of my family has been fine. Everyone's taking it seriously. Um, but as far as the greater population, I'm not so sure what to think right now. Mm-hmm. It's a really weird time. Do you, what are your, what are your thoughts on all this stuff that's going down? And I can be more specific if you, if you'd like. No, I mean, I think, I, I think I understand what you're saying. I mean, anything of interest gets politicized. I mean, any tragedy gets politicized, any really anything gets politicized. Um, especially in this country, um, just because of that's just the nature of bipartisanship. Um, when you have two sides, I mean, they're always going to try to point fingers. I mean, if you ask anybody, you know, if you ask the right, why this happened, it's because the left was so busy impeaching Trump that they couldn't handle it. And if you ask the left, why this happened, it's because, you know, Trump was, you know, doing all these other things, you know, so like it, they're always going to, people have a natural inclination, a natural desire to try to figure out why something happened. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't really matter because what's going on, it, you know, it's almost like that South Park episode, you know, like uh, Captain Hindsight. <laughs> you ever seen that episode? I don't remember that episode. So basically, it's a superhero has 20-20 hindsight and he uh-huh. shows up to disasters and go, goes like, you shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have done this. That should have been over here. And if you had done this, if there was more of this, like, you know, and it, and everyone's like, oh, thank you so much. And then they leave and then everyone leaves, even though like the building's still on fire because yeah. it's making fun of the fact that when something goes wrong, we just want to figure out why it happened rather than trying to figure out how to fix it. Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, my thoughts are, it's a little ridiculous, but it's inevitable. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. And I mean, you're a social media guy and, and I've been uh, unfortunately spending more time on Facebook because I'm know, sorry to hear that. Yeah. I've got extra time and uh, I've been dumb enough to uh, be baited by some people, but like, I think it's, it's so crazy that everybody all of a sudden thinks they have a solution and, and people don't trust doctors and experts. And they're just like, well, you know, here's this one thing. And everybody's looking for that one thing that will support their belief their their mm-hmm. conclusion that they've already made mm-hmm. and it's like i i i think it's cr- like how how is this possible how are we living in this world where like everybody seems to have the answer and i'm i'm feeling like i'm the only person willing to say i don't know what's going to happen i mean yeah i it it's i have no idea what's going to happen i don't know how to fix it i mean i'm not claiming to um but i think that in the world i mean especially on something like social media when like when you go on facebook and someone says like oh trump is doing and i see this all the time like someone will say like trump is so dumb he's doing xyz and then someone who supports trump will come in and be like well you think you could do a better job it's like and then they're like well, i think i could do it. it's like no you, you couldn't do it. I, I'm far from a Trump supporter, but no, the average everyday person could not do a better job than Trump, but they also didn't run for president. You know, like, so it's, it's tough to, it's tough to swing. Like, I don't think he did a good job or has done a good job with most of his presidency. Uh, that being said, I don't think I would make a good president either. Well, I didn't run for president and I don't plan on it. Sure. Um, yeah. So I, I think that a lot of people feel like they need to have answers in order to criticize because that's kind of where the argument kind of devolves to on a regular basis. It's kind of like, well, what would you do? It's like, I don't know. It's like, well, then shut up. It's like, if I'm watching football 
and someone drops a pass, I could say he should catch that pass. Doesn't mean I would catch that pass, but I'm smart enough to know that that professional athlete getting paid $5 million to catch a pass should probably catch that wide open pass. You know, so I don't think that the argument that if you can't do a better job, you shouldn't be able to criticize, I mean, is a fair one. But I think a lot of people fall back on it, and therefore a lot of people want to pretend they have answers when they don't. It's an interesting phenomenon to be in this crisis, this pandemic, and like have a smartphone. I mean, which obviously goes without saying, but it did not exist in during the Spanish flu or things like that. Everybody was just had to kind of like sit back in their houses mm. and be like, I mean, it wasn't even as widespread during SARS. I mean, I mean, you forget going back hundred years. I mean, if you go back ten years, when was SARS? Two thousand eight. Something like that. Something like that. So go back 12 years. I mean, yeah, they existed, but they weren't as prevalent. Social media wasn't as prevalent. Twitter wasn't as prevalent. I mean, so even. You really had to rely on the experts. You had no choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now everybody's an expert. And here we are. Everyone's an expert. I mean, the things I see on a regular basis that just made me go like, what? (laughs) It's, it's insane. And I, I'm, hopefully going to delete Facebook from my phone again because I felt a lot better. Yeah. But I also feel like compelled to be like, there is a way to look at information fairly and like in a balanced way, because I'm looking at the same things that you are, but somehow you're concluding that tomorrow's the day to reopen society. And I'm still like, no, I I think the risks of this disease are still so unknown that it's not fair to say. Well, it's because it's, it's all dependent on what you prioritize. I mean, if you prioritize the economy, the, you should be opening the, the world back up. And if you prioritize public safety, then, you know, but then it's turning into a freedom thing. I mean, you see every protester being like, we're a free country, you know, we demand you allow us to live freely, but there's this weird there's always been this weird kind of misconception that America is like the only free country in the world <laughs> when there's like 150 other really free sovereign nations. And it's like, we think that we're America, home of the brave, like land of the free. And it's just like, you don't see these same protests anywhere else because everyone else is going, yeah, this is probably bad. This is probably a bad thing. We probably should stay inside. But because we've kind of grown up on this idea that America is free, you know, more free than Germany and more free than France. And it's like, even though it's the exact same situation over there, they're a free democratic country. Um, we have this misconception that we are extra free and therefore we should, and, 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 it, and it kind of does create this phenomenon where it's like, people are thinking they're prisoners right now and their country is, t- is, is doing something they're not supposed to be doing. And yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I'm bored out of my mind you know, I'm sitting around the house all day. It's just, and it sucks. I wish it could be opened. And, you know, but like the, the argument I heard, like during one of the protests is someone said, you know, there's no vaccine for AIDS, but people still have unprotected sex. It's like, yeah, but those two people having unprotected sex doesn't put me in danger. And that's right. like a, and they don't re- recognize that. It's, it's, it's like, there's also a prescriptive treatment that works for HIV at this point. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's also like people, I mean, the same guy brought up how smoking causes cancer and cancer, you can't cure cancer really, but we still sell cigarettes. It's like, you're, they're, they're fighting different, ba- they're, they're, it's this very scattered brain thinking where it's like a one-to-one type relationship where it's like, if this, then this, and, and it's not 
the case. This is something we've never seen before. And again, I, again, I'm not, to go back to what I was saying, I'm not super anxious about this. Like, and I still am recognizing it's like, okay, yeah, I would love the country to be open. And I do think that the, you know, our government has failed us in tons of ways that have, are putting extra pressure on the working class to, to go back to work. I mean, you know, you look at a, the SBA loans that all went to not small businesses, you know, and now they're like, oh, we're out of money because we decided to yeah. give it to all these really big companies that don't qualify as small companies, you know, and, that, and that's, that the government is failures and, you know, proving and exposing that the country has always been big business first. Um, I'm surprised anyone else is surprised. I mean, I had to put in for the SBA loan because I'm getting screwed because of a lot of things. And when I applied for it, I was talking to my dad and he was like, well, that will help. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get it. And he was like, well, who's going to get it? I'm like, massive companies. He's like, but they don't qualify. I'm like, but dad, if you think that 99% of this money isn't going to giant, giant companies that don't qualify for this, you're dreaming. And he was like, they have other loans for that. I was like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, lo and behold, and I'm not being like, oh, look, wow, I'm the smartest guy in the world. But like, this was something that was always going to happen. And it's putting so much, now that, I mean, notice that that's when the protests started, when they realized they weren't getting any help. Um, you know, and it's like, okay, well, they're not getting any help, but we need to reopen the economy. So it's fear-based. It's not stupidity-based. It's, I'm not going to get to eat next week. So you have to, I have to risk it. And it's like, that's an unfortunate reality of the country right now. It's that people are having to choose yeah. between they have to choose ruin between, future and their safety. Well, it's honestly not even ruin future. It's, Hey, if I go outside, what are the, what's the likelihood I get coronavirus? Let's say it's 10%. Okay. There's a 10% chance I get coronavirus. And after that, there's a 2% chance I die. If I don't go out and start working, there's a hundred percent chance I'm not going to afford to eat. And they're weighing that and they're saying, well, that, I mean, if you look at it that way, it's a very easy decision. Mm -hmm. So I understand. I don't think those people are stupid. I understand where they're coming from. They're looking and saying, there's a hundred percent chance. And this is a, you know, 10% and then 2% chance. And I'm going with that. The weird part is that somehow that leads to like more vehement support of Trump, who is sort of. Because the, what, what's he saying? He's saying reopen the country. He's saying both things at the same time. Which yeah, but he does a very good job of deflecting. Yeah, um, no, you're, you're right. And so if you aren't listening all that closely and all you're seeing is reopen the country, you're being like, yeah, I agree. You know, yeah. but then at the same time, you know, he, and again, I don't want to dive too deep into a political thing. Cause like, you know, it's not, you know, not really the point of it, but you know, keep in mind, like he's checks are being delayed by weeks and weeks and weeks. So he can put his name on. It. So it, it is all very him centered. I mean, it's self-centric. So it's, it's, he's still trying. So if it was really about the American people. He would just say, Oh, like every other time the IRS has written a check, the president's name won't be on it. But he's looking at it and saying the elections are so close. I want people to get cash a $1,200 check from me. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it is, it's tough, but he's doing everything in his power clearly to make sure people think of him in the most positive light. And a lot of people are being swayed that way because he's, he's doing a good job of it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I will just add, I talked to my friends who are in Rome and, you know, about their situation and they are out of work as well, but the government is paying them 80% of their normal salaries to stay home. And mm -hmm. so they're kind of getting the best, like, 
if people were getting paid to be safe, that would make the most sense. There wouldn't be any of this bullshit. Like it's crazy that people have to make the choice between financial stability and their own physical safety. That, that, I mean, it's insane. Well, uh, a big reason of it, I mean, one of the, forget which Senator said it, but essentially he doesn't want people to not want to go back to work. So he thinks that they make it too easy on them then when this opens back up because here again it's a big business they need people willing to be cogs in the machine and if they realize that they're getting paid just to exist then they're going to think that's the new normal and they're going to expect that i mean it's the same it's basically the same argument against something like welfare i mean it's well if you make welfare too much and they live too comfortably they're not going to want to go back to work but then it's like so that's kind of how they're still looking at it even though you know yeah. It's just a totally different, it's a different discussion, but it's, they're treating it like the same discussion. That's a completely different game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I want to, I want to switch gears and talk about your, your own experience, your unique experience in all this. Um, mm-hmm. cause I feel like we could talk a political discussion about this yeah, we, probably forever. Yeah, probably. But, um, so Tyler, how have you personally been affected and when did things start to change for you in your like work life or your just regular existence? Um, I mean, it's been, I mean, definitely with it's probably six weeks ago, it definitely really, I can be like, okay, yep. Things are, things are different. Um, and that the first trigger was just ad revenue. I mean, companies, big companies that are in charge of advertising and, you know, putting ads on, on YouTube, which is the primary way I get paid. Um, saw the writing on the wall and pulled their marketing budget in, in, in basically in preparation to be losing money. So a lot of their ad revenue and, and AdSense on, on Google is, or YouTube is, is just simple supply demand. And when the demand's not there and the supply stays the same, because there's the same amount of YouTubers still posting content, um, but now there's only 10% of ads, which means everyone's revenue gets flat, could slashed. And, and then, then it, on top of that is a trickle down economy in the sense that the bigger YouTubers are going to get the most and then it's going to trickle down to the smaller YouTubers. And I'm a mid tier YouTuber, so I still get something, but I don't get a ton. Small YouTubers don't get anything. I mean, they're not getting any money. So, uh, you know, that's where I first noticed it. And, uh, that sucked. <laughs> um, so can I step back for a second? So yeah. you, you're a YouTuber. That's your primary source of income. That's your main job, yeah, right? That's my main job. And, uh, could you just explain that, how that works a little bit better. Cause, um, I, I mean, I feel like it just seems like, uh, YouTube consumption would be up through all this, but can you mm-hmm. explain maybe how, how that works at ads, ad revenue being mm-hmm. not so much? Yeah. So, so you would think YouTube consumption is up. It's not actually, which is, uh, I'm assuming because kids are spending eight hours a day now scared staring at a screen in zoom. And therefore when they're done, they won't stop looking at a screen. Um, that's a yes. Um, but uh, YouTube consumption, all social media consumption is actually down. Um, in addition, when there are spikes, which they do, those spikes do exist on weekends and stuff where everyone's like, Oh, let's everyone's home. Let's all watch YouTube or all watch TikTok or, uh, servers can't handle it. And there's problems and there's a lot of, there's a lot of glitches. There's a lot of server, uh, shutdowns and stuff like that, which obviously every company is slashing their workforce and therefore there's less people to fix more problems. Um, so there is a, there is, you would think from a very, if you, you know, the very first time you think about it, you're probably like, oh, this is probably really good for people on social media because now everyone has nothing better to do. 
Um, and in some ways you're right, in some ways that all is going on. But with ads, um, so the way I get paid is every single time someone watches a video they, and they watch an ad, I get paid a portion of that ad. The split is 55% YouTuber, 45% YouTube. Um, and how much you get paid for that ad varies from video to video, viewer to viewer. Um, you know, someone like you would have a very specific CPM, which is a cost per mil or thousand um, attached to you. So when you watch a video, you're gonna hold a very specific number to an advertiser. And let's say they're promoting Coca-Cola, they might say, okay, for someone like you, you're worth X, but if they're promoting something that might be maybe not quite your cup of tea, like let's say they're saying, oh, and this is a Barbie ad, and they have no history on Amazon or Google of you ever buying Barbie, which maybe you do, but maybe you don't. Let's say you don't in this scenario. They'll go, okay, well, if we show Barbie to him, we're not gonna pay as much for that. So they're basically attaching a number to you every time you watch a specific ad. So the way I'll get paid is obviously over the course of hundreds of thousands of views, all these numbers get tallied up and I get a certain amount of money for a video, I get paid direct deposit every month. Um, that number, instead of getting paid, let's say $4 or $5 for a thousand views, is now down to like 80 cents, oh, wow. pulling numbers out. Um, and because but of that, obviously- It is significant. Like significant. I would say uh, my revenue is down from, to probably 10% of pre, coronavirus in terms of for the same amount of views um, a huge difference and that is two there, there's two reasons for that one views are down because people aren't looking at screens and two the views I am getting I'm not getting paid as much for um, so it is it's tough because you know you're still putting the same amount of work in but that's just kind of the volatility of one being self-employed but two being self-employed in something that you really have no control over the ecosystem of um, but in addition, like, you know, I've had to make an entire shift in terms of content. I mean, which has made me work even harder because I used to do scripted videos. I mean, you were one of my, you were numerous of my videos mm -hmm. where I would get actors, I'd write a script, we'd film it, I'd edit it. And I, I got very, I mean, I've done that for two and a half years. So I've gotten very used to that style of video. So while I'm not an autopilot, my efficiency is very high with those types of videos. Sure. About and a month ago, I've been able, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm seeing obvious problems with that now because, you know, you're mainly casting yeah. actors who aren't you and mm -hmm. you're, you're, you work with a crew, albeit a, a pretty small crew, but it's still a group of people mm -hmm. and, you know, working together over, you know, a couple hours or whatever, like at various locations, none of that mm -hmm. stuff's going to fly. Exactly. So a month ago, I saw that and I had to spend the next, the last month turning my entire channel on its head um, and now doing content that is commentary. And now it's me, just me. And that was because I knew I'm not going to be able to get actors for a month, two months, three months, a year. I have no idea. So I have to now shift to content. Now on the plus side, this is content I've wanted to switch to anyway. Hmm. Um, so it's something where I'm like, okay, I can, this is, I mean, this is the time. I mean, you know, it's tough to do it when things are going really, really well and you're getting, five million views a month constantly and you're like oh this is great i'm not gonna shift now this is going great but everything else is falling apart so it's like essentially it was like a fucking moment i was like this is, i mean it's going terribly so let's let's take advantage of this and kind of spin it into a good thing because the way that 
you know, from the business side of it, I'm like, okay, if I'm used to making X and I make a shift while I'm making X and I start making Y and Y is one tenth of what I'm used to making, I'm losing all of this potential earning from this change versus now me making this change isn't really costing me money because I'm not making money anyway. So from a business standpoint, there's no better time than now because, you know, I'm not, I'm not making anything anyway. So it's like, I'm not losing extra money by making the shift. Now the shift is going to take a long time because outside of the coronavirus, the way that YouTube is built is to keep people in a certain lane. So when you're trying to change lanes, YouTube really doesn't like that. Um, but I mean, it, there's no better time to do it than now where I am sitting at home doing these videos and the consumption's kind of sporadic and all over the place. So it's kind of like, okay, like, you know, I guess this is the time to do it and build up a backlog of videos that are in this content genre versus scripted. So I've been able to spin it into a positive for sure. That's, um, that's great. But um, it, yeah, it's, it's all over the place. Uh, well, it, so in one sense, you are in the same boat as millions of other people now that your, your job is essential is gone ish and your main source of income mm -hmm. is not there. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, like most people don't have your job, mm -hmm. but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but do you think it's people can extrapolate from your experience and sort of remove themselves from like the hurt that's involved in the immediate, like, like, fuck, like this situation sucks to um, find some way to transition and spin this into a positive? Like, is this a time for creativity? Do you think for a lot of people? Um, I mean, it's yes and no. I mean, yes, in the sense that if, the, if, if your job, if like, if like, you know, a random person's job is like not happening, they got laid off, it, it opens up a world of possibilities. I mean, it really does. I mean, then you can, cause I know that, you know, when I was, out of college, I played pro soccer, I got injured. And then for five years, it was just one thing to another thing to another thing to another thing. You never, I never had a chance to kind of stop and go, what do I want to do with my life? Because what I want to do with my life disappeared. And then it was like, oh shit, I guess I'm going to coach soccer. Oh shit, I guess I'm going to be a strength coach. Oh, I guess I'm going to do that. Oh, I guess I'm going to get my master's. Oh, and it, it was very much a scrambling. It was definitely five years of scrambling. Um, this is an opportunity, I think, for a lot of people just to take a pause and go, is what I'm doing. Like, look at my life before this all happened. Was I super stoked with that? And if I am great, stick with it. You don't need to make a change, but if you, if you can take that pause and look at your pre kind of pandemic life and go, you know what? I was just grinding just to grind. I was working just to hit the weekend or I was, you know, it's very easy for me to say because I have a job that I do thoroughly love. And I know that's not the case for a lot of people, but like, you know, if you can say, is this the life I want to live when this is all said and done? Do I want to go back to that? The answer is no. There's no better time than now to at least say, at least figure out what it is you want to do. Cause that's the hardest part, not how to get to what you want to do, but what do you actually want to do? And that's a question that, I mean, I don't claim to know a lot. I mean, I'm 29. Oh my God. It was just my birthday. I'm Happy 29. Birthday. Thank you. I'm I 29. I almost yeah. said 28. Um, but I'm 29. So I'm not, I certainly haven't been on this planet long enough to really share any wisdom or like a ton of wisdom, but like I do know from personal experience because I did have that moment of, you know, I wanted to do something and then, you know, 
it, the only stupid thing a person can do is not admit when their goals change. And a lot of people don't because they feel like, well, I've sunk this many years into it. So, I mean, I might as well keep going. Um, but this is a, this is a blessing and a curse what's going on. I mean, all of the health aspects of it are terrible. There's no good way to spin all these people, like everyone dying, getting sick, you know, that there's no good way to spin that. But the pandemic, the being alone, the being isolated, the not being able to work can be spun into a positive light if you can decide what it is that would truly make you happy from a job or life standpoint, and then take this time to figure out the best course of action to get there. So I think there, I think there is a way, it is very tough when you're trying to just survive to eat. And I know that, I know that from experience, like I am, every ounce of savings I've ever, I've ever had is gone. I mean, like I do get it. So it, you do need to try to take those stressful times and let them be stressful times. Don't pretend they don't exist, but then see if you can't then take little moments in the day just to think and not think about it from a financial standpoint and think of it from a just personal fulfillment standpoint and see if there's a way that you can spin it into doing something. And then that might be something like doing a podcast or, or writing or, you know, I know tons of my friends who started TikToks and it's just something that's keeping them sane. And it's like, and some of them love it. And some of them are like, wow, I'm going to continue doing this. This is something that is helping balance my life. You know, where it's like, Hey, something as simple as just making a couple of videos, making a video every day, just gives me something to do. Give me a structure where I know every day I need to do this in a very unstructured scenario that we're in so you know and then that creativity is making them go oh wow i didn't know how much i like this maybe i'll start a youtube channel maybe i'll start a podcast maybe i'll do this maybe I'll... and it's just like and it kind of spirals from there and they start figuring out things that would make them happy so just my only advice would be just try shit yep. worst case scenario you don't like that and then you move on to a different thing to try and you know in best case scenario it, you decide you decide that oh my god i love this thing and this is something i want to pursue and you know it's very difficult to quit your job and pursue something. But when you don't have a job or you're not getting paid for that job because of a scenario, then it becomes much easier to then say, oh, let me take that first step. Right, and there's an element of motivation that is certainly lighting a fire under people's asses. Like, I mean, I'm doing this podcast to have something to do basically, also because mm -hmm. I'm enjoying it and I'm getting to talk to friends that I normally wouldn't get to in this context. But I, I, I'm- You wouldn't just call me just for, for fun? I mean, Ouch. I might, but you know, I, I, not you, but other people I've talked to. Okay, have, it's fine, been fine. it's been literally years. Okay. So this has brought us back together. You know, it's just mm -hmm. like kind of a nice no, thing. I, I, I get it. Yeah. I don't want to give you a hard time because you know. please do. And I see a lot of other people like starting that business that they had in the back of their minds. Mm -hmm. You know, from from when they were like teenagers or whatever. And now it's actually time. Like I'm going to build this thing. And I hope that I know how much it sucks too, because like I'm out of work and I'm also pretty much out of money and I'm ho waiting for my stimulus, my Trump check to show Me up too. at any moment. <laughs> and that's actually going to make a big difference, but yeah. I'm also trying to produce, to make things, to have ideas, to write, to use this time to explore. I don't know if you read that, there's some article going around about how people are having vivid dreams or weird dreams because like their mind is in such a, a different place. Like they're not mm -hmm. occupied by work or the usual things that they have. And I hope that people can, can use that extra, you know, brain power for lack of a better term to just like 
get into new stuff, try new things, as you say, mm -hmm. you know, and I think you are a great representative of people using this time to transition. Like I know that you're a hustler and you're going to find a way to make it work. And I mean, I, I do have a specific question. Like, do you think that anybody could find a way to make money from home? Like, can anybody be a live streamer? Can every, anybody be a YouTuber? I, I'm, I know that your job is hard, but like, if somebody um, really wanted to, if someone, I mean, YouTube is probably the hardest entry, hardest cost of entry um, in terms of it's not, it's not built that way anymore. When I got in it, it was still a platform where someone could grow from zero. It's really closed off now in a lot of ways. doesn't mean that you can't. It means that you, you need a, a very good content, very good consistency, very good perseverance, and a lot of luck. Um, you know, cause I still, I got lucky. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. I mean, I worked really hard. I made content that I think people liked. And I mean, I, I, you know, and, but I got lucky. I also got lucky. I mean, there's no denying that. And I don't think luck's a bad thing. I mean, you do create your own luck, but everyone gets luck. And then you need to, you know, also be in a place where you can take advantage of that luck. You know, when, it, when you get your break, you have to be, you have to make sure you set yourself up in a way to take advantage of it. And, you know, obviously saying everybody gets a break is a lie. Not everyone gets a break, but when you do get a break, make sure that you notice it, recognize it, and are in a position to take advantage of it. Um, so YouTube's tough. I think TikTok, 100%. I mean, I think TikTok is the best entry into the social media world ever, that ever exists. I mean, you can grow on TikTok very well. I mean, like, and, and if you're consistent on it you can grow very quickly and then you can use that that following let's say you have a hundred thousand there which is a very obtainable number for the record in six months for someone with no following i mean that is an obtainable number, very difficult but a possible thing versus like six months on youtube with no other following you're not getting a hundred thousand period in the story but hundred thousand on tiktok is an obtainable number and then you can use that and spin it into a youtube channel so you have a built-in following because youtube isn't built to give you that following anymore i mean it used to be um so i do think that if it's something that interests you, I will say it's not worth it unless you love it because it, you know, I work hundred hour weeks and I don't sleep and I'm stressed all the time, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I legitimately love what I'm doing and therefore it's worth it. It's worth the volatility. It's worth the stress. It's worth the lack of money. It's worth the, you know, all this other stuff when the times are bad and, you know, because the times that are good are fantastic and I enjoy the day to day. Um, not worth it if you don't love it. Yeah. But yeah, I think that, and, and I think that whether it is something like digital content or, you know, writing or Pinterest or, you know, ton, there's tons of things out there, which I think every single person is more creative and wants to be more creative than they usually give themselves credit for. And so I do think that there's no reason not to try it if it's something that interests you. Um, I would just say as a disclaimer that you'll get burnt out very quickly <laughs> unless you are, you are, you need to be built for it for sure. Yeah. And I know you've said it plenty of times, but I'll say it on here. Um, people think like they look at YouTubers and think that their jobs are super easy and it's just like, ah, put up a video and you know, you're, you work an hour a week or whatever. Not the case. I I've wish. been a part of the process. Yeah. <laughs> great. Uh, but yeah, no, unfortunately yeah. not. A big no there. Um, big old no. <laughs> but you do work for yourself, which is nice. Which I do. And that's, the biggest thing. I mean, I would never, I mean, I've worked in corporate jobs. I, I will never go, I don't think I could ever go back to working 
for somebody other than myself. It makes yeah. me work harder personally. I mean, I work harder because I owe myself more than I feel like I owe someone that I've met once in a, you know, a meeting when I got hired or whatever, like, you know what I mean? So I agree with you there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, the, uh, this question, you kind of touched on it, but I'll ask anyway. Well, the question is, do you think you'll pick up where you left off after this is over? I, I guess I can, you kind of answer that as a no, you're going in a new direction. Mm -hmm. um, but do you think maybe in general, and do you think people should try, should we try to get back to where we were? Or um, are we setting mm -hmm. new goals? Is there a new normal? I, I think that you never, I mean, I don't think we're ever going to go back to normal because I don't think normal exists. I think normal changes based on what happens. I mean, so I think if going back to normal means pretending it never happened, then I would say that'd be a mistake. Uh, because I think that, you know, like I said, this is a giant pause. The world has paused. I mean, the literal world has stopped vibrating as much. The world has paused. And I think that this has exposed tons of things, both good and bad, from an individual, every individual standpoint, like, oh shit, like maybe my company isn't as loyal to me as I thought, or hey, maybe I don't like my job as much, or maybe I do love my job. Um, but also from a you know political standpoint, I think a lot of people are surprised of how ill-prepared a lot of countries were to deal with something like this um, because we've never had anything like this. And I think that a lot of people are like, whatever comes our way, we'll take care of it. And then we're realizing, oh shit, no one's taking care of it. This is a bad thing. So recognizing that that's a possibility. Um, you know, and then also just, I, I, so I think that, you're, you know, there's a lot of things that I hope when this is all said and done, we don't get right back into moving a million miles an hour. And then, because I think when the world is going as fast as it normally would go, you know, pre-pandemic, a lot of issues, whether it be gun control or this or that, whatever it is, like, you know, we go, that sucks. We need to fix that. I don't have time. You know, and it's all because like everyone's grinding. And so people recognize the problem, but then they are essentially, I don't have time to deal with that. And they're right. They don't because that's the world. That's how everyone's moving so fast. And so I think that now everyone's taken a pause and looked at these problems. I think it would be a mistake to go back and go right back to, wow, all those things that got exposed. I don't have time again. Like, so I think we all do need to slow down a little um, and actually fix some things that we're noticing needs fixing. But then from an individual standpoint, each individual can answer for this for themselves is what do I want? Like I said, what, what problems in my life can I now fix because I have time to fix, you know? And so I think that in once, once we do that, I think there is a new normal. And I think, the, I think it would be a mistake to not address the, all these things from an individual and global standpoint, because we do recognize them. Everyone recognizes these problems aren't bringing up these problems. So if we just pretend once the world starts, like, oh, that was a fun moment where we all were on the same page. Let's go back to doing this. Like, I think that would be a mistake. So I hope not. Hope we don't go back to that normal. I hope we do have a new normal, because I think that's the only way that, to, you know, we, uh, one, prevent something like this happening again. But two, just move the whole human race forward, you know? And so, like, in a lot of ways, this has given us a moment of reflection that I don't ever remember having. So, yeah. 
I mean, probably the first time in our freaking existence where we've had a massive pause where we can all get together and say, what are the problems in the world? Let's try. I mean, I'm not trying to be super idealistic and be like, oh, let's solve everything because that's impossible. But, you know, there are some things that have been exposed that I think are very fixable problems if everyone decides to fix them. Yeah. And maybe we'll, we'll learn to even just on a personal level, value a pause, you know, say like, you know, mm -hmm. I can take time away from my job or whatever it is and everything's going to be okay. And maybe I'll be better for it. In fact, I'm, I'm curious also to see where people, where spending exists after this, like where people spend their money. Mm. Cause the wall street journal put out a whole thing where they were talking about where money was allotted percentage based on like how much money like people would spend 40% of their money on the extraneous like like you know clothing and this and that and only like 10% on groceries and now it's like you know 80% of money to groceries and all this other stuff people are realizing isn't that important so I'm actually curious to see when it's all said and done uh, I think we have a lot of people who are much better with their money because <laughs> I mean I mean I know I mean I've always been pretty good with my money I'm freaking phenomenal with my money now I'm every you know what I mean like you very carefully decide what's important and what's not. So I'm curious to see things like designer clothes, things like, you know, just even just movie theaters and, you know, stuff like that. Like going out to eat, that kind going of out to eat versus yeah. cooking. People are cooking. I'm cooking at home every day. I mean, I'm not Tara's, but, um, but we're eating at home just constantly versus before it'd be like, let's go to dinner. Let's go to dinner. Let's go to dinner. And that's obviously not a waste of money, but we did it a lot and we could cut back on it. So it's, I think that from a spending standpoint too, I'm curious to see economically speaking, where do things even out when this is all said and done? Yeah, that's an interesting point that, that nobody's brought up. And I, for one, have not purchased anything that didn't go directly like inside my body or something that I very much needed, like gas in the car or something mm -hmm. since uh, it's been over a month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, great point. Um, I have a few questions that I ask every guest. I and... will not answer them. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and you can, you can answer them however you want. They may or may not pertain to you and you can, you can angle them however you see fit. But uh, okay, it is Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. What do you think you would normally be doing if not in, uh, in quarantine? Watching sports. Still in my house, but watching sports. Normally Sundays would be my day off from work and I would usually work out the other day. Now I'm just working all seven days because there's nothing to do on my day off. So I'm just going to be working after this instead what of watching sport? sports. What sports uh, do you Whatever's on, watching? hockey, basketball. I mean, I guess baseball would have been started. Um, I'd be watching whatever was on okay. because that was my happy place. And now it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be back. Oh, whoa, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. And we've kind of touched on this a little, so you can add to it or, or not. Um, but what good do you think will come out of this whole situation on any scale that you want to touch on? Um, I think that uh, I think a lot of people will um, very much appreciate <laughs> their day-to-day -day lives, and uh, that will be good. Um, I think that we'll have a better uh, understanding of, of the good and bad that just the world has to offer. And I, I think that from an individual standpoint, I think a lot of people are gonna recognize uh, what their priorities are a little more. I think it's gonna be more clear what people, uh, where people rank things, you know, family for one. I mean, I'm sure families are getting closer 
or they're hate or they're killing each other. I have no idea. Um, but I think for a lot, of, I think people are gonna realize that family is something that should come first before something like work. You know, I think that people are gonna recognize a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Great. Um, what is your biggest fear coming out of this? Um, my personal biggest fear is that I'm financially ruined. <laughs> Um, that I'm, I'm going to need to take out, you know, a personal loan to just survive. And, you know, then I'm coming out of this and just more debt than I want. Um, in terms of a health standpoint, I mean, I obviously I'm concerned, uh, to some degree that someone I know or someone I like, care about, um, you know, gets affected by this. Um, that's not my biggest concern. My personal biggest concern is still like, where am I going to be able to survive this? Like from a, job standpoint if i'm making nothing how long can i survive making nothing until i need to pack it up sell all my equipment to eat uh, which you know that is something that is a real which is a real concern but uh i don't think i'm there yet and uh i don't plan on getting there i plan on figuring it out because that's all you know that's the kind of way i've always looked at stuff it's kind of like there's two scenarios and it's either i make it through or i don't and i don't look at make not making it out as a real possibility so there's only it's either i make it out or i make it out so yeah while it's stressful it, that's kind of where i'm looking at it and i totally see you as that guy either making it out or making it out too yeah i mean so that's i think you'll be fine like all you can do i mean i i, I hope you'll be fine you've got yeah. my support yeah thank you man i appreciate that you're yeah. the best um and then last question could you do this indefinitely or are you at your breaking point uh, uh, indefinitely. Like, uh, I mean, that's kind of what we're doing, isn't it? Uh, I would love a, I would love a concrete answer. I would love a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but I mean, I guess I could do it indefinitely. I mean, I guess if, uh, if I mean, that's kind of the scenario we're in. So, I mean, I'm doing it now and ask me in two weeks and I'm going to be banging my head against the wall. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I there's definitely moments where I get super claustrophobic, especially living in downtown LA. Um, you know, where over the last two years I lived in the suburbs and I had, a you know, a bigger space, a backyard, some, like, you know, a pool, like some things where I could have been like, wow, like I have all this room now being in a much smaller space, confined space. Um, it's a little bit more claustrophobic um, than I'm used to. Cause like I was nervous moving here in the first place, like to a downtown apartment. Cause I was like, wow, I'm going to feel claustrophobic. But the big upside was I could walk to all of these restaurants, all of these bars, I have all this outdoor space in that the you know apartment provides as amenities. And now the amenities are closed and the bars are closed and the restaurants are closed. And now I'm just in my apartment. So I'm like, wow, that's worst case scenario. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm certainly finding ways to entertain myself for sure. So I think I could continue to adapt, but I don't want to. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, how is, what's the vibe like in downtown LA? Oh, empty. It's a ghost town. Yeah. Is it feel Absolute weird? ghost town, downtown LA. It's really weird. I drove to Santa Monica yesterday and it should normally take me 45 minutes with traffic. It took me like 13. Wow. Um, there's no one on the road. It's insane. That is crazy. Um, geez. Well, um, that pretty much covers what I have as far as notes. Like, is there anything else that you want to talk about or bring up or that I missed? Um, not particularly. I mean, how are things, obviously you're in Scranton currently. So, so I'm outside of Scranton in, in so it's still, I mean, so it's a ghost town, but that's, I guess that's normal. You look outside, you're like, Oh, well, there's the it's one person that lives here. 
there's actually more activity than normal. I went for a run last week and there were like people on the street biking and walking and stuff. I was like, this feels weird. Cause yeah. normally I don't even see cars, but there were like human beings near me and I'm like crossing the street to not go near them. It felt weird. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a, it's a good thing. Everyone's getting out a little bit to keep themselves sane. Cause you do, you do need to keep yourself from going absolutely crazy. So it's good that people are moving people, around. People right around here, I don't think are taking things super seriously though, which is a bummer. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. You can always come back to LA, hang out. I plan to as soon as I can. Yeah, it's uh oh man, it was it was a weird drive back here. It was a weird three days of me trying to like avoid people but also go really fast, but also take my time and just mm-hmm. like I uh I don't look forward to the drive back, but I do look forward to being back. Yeah, no, the drive back's gonna suck. It's gonna for suck. sure. But yeah. once you make it, you'll be home sweet home. I know. Yeah, I look forward to it. I look forward to uh, working together and hanging out again. That'll be fun. Good times, good times. Well, thanks, man. This yeah, dude. <laughs> I miss you too. It'll be uh, it'll be good to see you. Yeah, man. Soon. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you uh, you doing this. It's fun. Let me know if you ever want me to come back. We'll oh yeah. Talking. Number two. Uh, Number two. Thanks, man. Thanks, right, Tyler, for being on the show. Spent too much time in California. Now I'm in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania.